Take a seat, friends. We're going to get into a, a prayer masterclass this morning. Prayer is, is one of those aspects of the Christian life that many of us struggle with. I'll be honest with you, I don't often feel qu- quite an inadequate prayer. If you feel as though you're not much of a prayer, rest assured you're not alone. Uh, many of us, I think, struggle with this concept of prayer how to do it, where to do it, using the right words, how often our... This morning, Jesus puts our, our minds at rest with this prayer masterclass. See, Jesus was indeed a, a man of prayer. If you're wanting to be more like Jesus, and I hope you are wanting to be more like Jesus, you'll want to be a person of prayer. There are too many instances to list here this morning, but if you know the Gospels, you'll know that Jesus was regularly taking time out, taking time away to spend time in prayer with his Father. And in fact, our reading this morning from Luke chapter 11 starts off with Jesus being in prayer. If you haven't got a Bible with you, you might like to grab one of the, uh, the, the Bibles up the back. If you haven't got a Bible at all, please come and see me. We'd love to gift you with a Bible, give you a Bible for free. We've got lots of different Bibles to give away. We've got kids' Bibles, we've got youth Bibles, we've got women's Bibles, all sorts of Bibles to gift you if you don't yet have a Bible. Um, But if you uh, don't have a Bible on your device this morning, you're welcome to grab a printed version up the back. I'm going to be reading from uh, from Luke chapter 11 on page 1029 this morning. 1029 on the CMP stock Bibles uh, up the back. That is uh, where uh, we are are headed. as I said, today in our reading, it starts off with the disciples actually coming to Jesus and asking for teaching on prayer. Now, this is an interesting little fact. This is the only time that we know of when the disciples came to Jesus and asked for a teaching on a specific subject. Every other instance in the Gospels, hey, Gerardo, hey, brother, uh, every other instance in the Gospels, of Jesus' teaching is Jesus doing the instigating. Here, it's the disciples that come to Jesus and ask for prayer. So you're in good company, friends, if you feel as though you need some teaching on prayer. If if you're not really sure about prayer, these original 12 apostles, these 12 men who changed the world, they too are obviously feeling a little bit uncertain about prayer as well. So so rest rest assured. Uh, Rest assured if you're company this morning. So Jesus responds to this request, the master teacher with a master class, he gives us an example of a prayer, like a prayer template, if you will, we call it the Lord's Prayer, and then like any good teacher, he drives it home with a couple of of little examples, a couple of little illustrations. But let's let's have a a read, I'm going to follow Jesus' example this morning and simply work our way through this passage, Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through to 13. One day Jesus was praying... (laughs) In a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I have no food to offer him. 
And suppose the one on the inside answers, Ah, don't bother me. The door is already locked. My children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you, will you give him a, a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Friends, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that you might capture our hearts and capture our minds in this moment. In Jesus' name, the people said... The first part of this prayer masterclass is Jesus giving us uh, a template for prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer. A bit of a just show of hands. Did anyone grow up reciting the Lord's Prayer in church? Yeah, if you, there you go. Look at all those hands. Growing up, many of us would say the Lord's Prayer every Sunday morning. Uh, some of us, as a result, I struggle to see anything new in in the Lord's Prayer because we're so very familiar with it. I do actually think the church has lost something by not reciting the Lord's Prayer uh, every week. I decided we will recite it this morning over communion. You don't want it to become rote. You don't want it to just become become a a routine. But I I think there is something good in actually committing the Lord's Prayer to memory, right? For those of you that did grow up saying the Lord's Prayer, I reckon it's a real blessing. For those of you that didn't, you might want to just commit to prayer just to use as as a template. Not necessarily use word for word, but to have it in the back of your mind to use, to sort of structure your prayers. For those of you that that do know it quite well, um, sometimes we find it hard to see anything new. But I want to go through it quickly, line uh, by line, and maybe you you might pick up something that you haven't noticed before. Firstly, I want you to notice how incredibly brief the Lord's Prayer is. How incredibly brief. It's not a long-winded prayer at all. It's remarkably brief, and yet it's remarkably broad, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing when you can communicate a lot in a short period of time. Amen? It's quite a skill. The modern phenomenon of Twitter, although there's a lot of dross on Twitter, there is something special about Twitter in that it does force you to communicate briefly and succinctly. I think it's only 140 characters, isn't it? 160 characters is all you've got to say what you want to say. Any speaker or any minister will tell you it's much harder to give a message shortly than it is to do so over half an hour. It's actually much harder work to give a brief message than a long one. You have to work harder. So Jesus covers quite a lot of ground 
very, very briefly. And I know some of you are saying, if only sermons were the same. Amen? I think Jesus is giving us permission here to keep our prayers brief and to the point. There's no flowery language here. There's no fancy churchy language. I think some of us think we've got to use fancy churchy words like sanctification and justification. There's none of that here. I don't know who holds the world record, the Guinness World Record for the longest prayer, but I think I've sat through some contenders for the prize in my time growing up in church. I'm sure some of you have, have too. In contrast, Jesus covers everything here in about 30 seconds. Even in the longer version of the Lord's Prayer that you'll find in Matthew's Gospel during the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount in Matthew's Gospel, found only in Matthew chapters 5 through to 7. There's a longer version of it, but even that version, only about 30 seconds long. So there's, although it is brief, there's nothing small about this prayer. Right? This, there's nothing limited, there's nothing narrow. It covers a lot of ground. This is a big prayer, despite it being very simple and very brief. So let's have a look line by line. He starts off by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This shows us that this is a God-centered prayer. This is not a self-absorbed prayer. This immediately takes the focus away from ourselves and puts it onto God himself takes us away from the weakness and folly of of ourselves to the glory and the power of God himself. This is a prayer that puts God first. This is is God-focused worship. It's not a religious self-indulgence here. It reminds me of a story told by Francis Chan, one of my favourite preachers. Any of you familiar with Francis Chan? A wonderful preacher. And he tells a story about how one time after worship, a lady came up to him after church and said, well, pastor, I didn't think much of the worship today. And he responded by saying, oh, well, that's okay. We weren't worshipping you. I'm going to keep that one in my back pocket. I think it's so important that we come to church with a sense that this isn't actually about me. Now, it's my job as minister, as pastor, to make sure that the flock is fed and protected. So I do hope that you come away blessed on a Sunday, but I also hope that you don't come necessarily just seeking yourself, seeking your own agenda. I really hope we come here this morning seeking more of God and seeking to bless others as we come, as we walk in the door and say, who can I bless this morning? Who can I get to know a little bit better? Jesus' priority here is go straight to God, and that God's name would be glorified, that it would be hallowed. Hallowed is an old-fashioned word for glorified, to be made known, to be lifted up, to be made great. And it really should be our first priority too. Heavenly Father, hallow your name in all of my life today. Lord, may your name be hallowed. May it be made great. May it be glorified in my work today, in my play. May it be glorified in my marriage, in my relationship with my kids. So can I encourage you to pray again and again every day and using whatever words that are right for you in your own language, in your own tongue, in in your own mind and say, Father, let, let your name be made great through me today and may your kingdom come. God's kingdom, his rule, his dominion. May it be made manifest on the earth today. 
through me, Father. And then, and this is important, and only then, then and only then does it turn to worldly affairs. But even then, the next line, you know, your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It lifts, lifts us above our immediate frustrations and petty wants to the ultimate broader well-being of our world. It takes the focus, again, off ourselves and onto God. It should be our first task every morning. Can I challenge you every morning to pray a quick, simple prayer that reflects this profound truth, this challenging truth, this revolutionary truth that I'm not living for me today, Lord, for my glory. I'm living for your glory today. Use me to bring your kingdom uh, here to earth. And then, and only then, do you notice it turns to our own needs. It's really important to note that. Give us this day what? Our daily bread. Our basic necessities. The basic necessities that we need for today, for our very existence. This is not for luxuries. This is just for what we need. And I also want you to notice here at this point how the language of the Lord's Prayer is communal. This is a plural prayer, not an individual prayer. Have you noticed that before? What is it? It is give us this day our daily bread. This is not a prayer for my daily bread. This is a prayer for our daily bread, for the entire human family. This is really profound. I remember the first time some minister pointed this out to me. It rocked my world. That this life wasn't all about Pete Chapman and my needs. It really shook me out of my shopping list kind of prayers that I was offering up to God. This is a communal prayer. Give us this day our daily bread, not just my own. This is very unlike many of the shopping lists, as I say, that crept into my language as, as a young bloke too. Simply come to God. Here's what I need today, Lord. After this request for our basic physical necessities, note this, that next comes a request for our basic spiritual needs. Father, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. This is a basic spiritual, profound spiritual need that we have. In the original Greek, it's more literally, uh, uh, forgive us, uh, forgive us, uh, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. The language in the original Greek is assuming that when we ask for forgiveness from God, that we are also forgiving those who sin against us. Do you find that challenging? Because I do. It's assuming. God is te- when Jesus is teaching us how to pray, he's telling us to ask for forgiveness, but he's assuming that we are also in the process of forgiving those that have sinned against us. This is really important, really profound. We can't pray the way that Jesus teaches us to pray here if we are unwilling to forgive those who have, who have wronged us. And that's hard. It's really hard. I know many of us have been profoundly wronged, profoundly grieved. But this is the challenge that Jesus puts before us this morning. We must seek the mercy of God to set us free, both from the crippling burden of our own sins that separate us from God, but also from the self-inflicted wounds of holding on to bitterness, of nursing grudges and unforgiveness in our heart. It wounds us. Let it go, friends. 
And the final sentence of this prayer is a cry from the depths of the human condition. It's an honest recognition of our frailty and our weakness. It says, don't lead us, lead us not into temptation, we say, uh, but deliver us from evil, says the longer, the longer version. No, this is, not a, this is not a prayer that we won't ever go through hard times. It's a prayer that God might bear us up through the difficult times. So that is the Lord's Prayer. That is the template that you can use, put in your own language. I'm going to conclude uh, the service today uh, with a, a video that will do just that, that will simply just put in your own words, in your own language. But then Jesus doesn't leave this, this lesson on prayer there. He gives us a couple of little brief takeaway stories about prayer. Right? Like any good teacher, he uses a couple of illustrations to drive his point home. And the first story tells of a man who has an unexpected knock at the door at midnight. <laughs> at midnight, from a friend seeking bread because they've received a visitor at their house and he has no food to put before him. Now, in those days, if you received a traveller, it was extremely important. It was a matter of honour uh, that you were able to offer them hospitality. In ancient times, there was no hotels. You relied on the goodness and the hospitality of the local people to put you up and to feed you. It was a source of great shame if you got a name for not being able to offer hospitality. And so the story is this, this man has received a knock at the door uh, from his neighbour um, at midnight. And he's not too impressed about being dragged out of bed. Nevertheless, because of the boldness of this man's request at midnight, he gives the man what he asks for, gives him what he needs. So Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Jesus is saying at any time, day or night, God is open for business. He's open to hear your prayer. You're not going to be ignored. Jesus clearly wants us to be like this man that is bold enough to go knocking on his neighbour's door at midnight. He wants us to persevere in prayer. He's told, just told us it doesn't have to be fancy. Don't need to use flowery, churchy language. You can be honest and raw and open. You can tell God rage if you want. He's big enough to take it, but he just wants to hear it. He wants you to be honest. Come to him in prayer. Tell him about it. But what I want you to note about this little story that you might not have seen before is that, again, can you see how this is not a request for, them, for himself? This is a request for somebody else, for the weary traveller. Can you see that? The man comes knocking, asking for, for the bread, but the bread isn't for him. The bread is, again, for somebody else in need. And, again, it's bread. It's, this is a staple this is the basics of life that he's asking for. There's nothing selfish in this request. The story is not about coming to God for stuff for ourselves. It's about loving others. And the second little illustration that Jesus uses, the master uses to illustrate um, how important prayer is, is of, a, is of a loving parent dealing with a child's request for food. If a kid comes to you and asks you for a fish, you're not going to give him a snake or, or a scorpion. We are contaminated by sin. We are this side of the fall. We are even the most loving parents will sometimes not always do right by their kids. And anyone that is a parent will know that we let them down quite regularly. But even though 
fallen as we are, we still know how to care for our children, how to love our children, our most precious possessions. Jesus says, so how much more will your heavenly Father give to those who ask him? This sense of security and a loving heavenly Father is, is crucial. You're not going to be able to sustain your prayer life if you picture a God that is wrathful and vengeful, casting down thunderbolts or tallying up bad deeds. If you think he's got a set against you, you need to understand God as your Father, Abba, Father, Daddy, who loves you, who wants to give you what you truly need. But notice again, Jesus is talking about the basics. Again, you might not have picked up, you know, fish and, and eggs. These things were the, these were the basic protein for a working person in those days. This is again a prayer request for the basics, what we really need. But also note the precious gift that Jesus assumes that you'll be asking for. Have a look there. He says, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? He's assuming that you're going to be asking for more of the Holy Spirit. This is the basic necessity that we have. Bread, fish, the Holy Spirit. The basic necessity, God, more of God intimately working in and through us. The prayer is always a precursor to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. By the time Pentecost came around, those of you who know the story of Pentecost, the church had been in a prayer vigil for some 10 days. Again, in Acts chapter 4, when the church was praying, it was only then that the place was shaken and they were filled again with the Holy Spirit. Prayer is the key to opening the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the good gift that God wants to give those of you who ask. More of his presence, more of his power, more of his truth, more of his joy. Again, it's not more of your own plans, it's not more of your own ambitions, more of your own desires, it's more of God living in and through you. So I reckon these two little stories are Jesus' way of saying, you know what guys, lighten up a little bit, it's okay. You can be real with God. You can do business with God. If some of you use colourful language from time to time, you can do that too. He's not going to be hurt. You can be real. You can declare your anger, your sadness, your grief. You don't need to use the right words. Just do it. Just come to him. Tell him how you feel. God is good. He loves you. He's going to hear your prayer and respond with delight. He's going to give you what you truly need. So don't get anxious about whether or not you get the wording right. So there it is. Before we approach the communion table, there it is, our prayer master class. So I hope you caught a few little things there. Just to summarise, he gives us an example to base our prayers on. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's an example of a God-centred prayer. It's an example of a prayer that asks first for others, for the entire human family, above ourselves. It doesn't need to be adhered to religiously without changing a word. It's a template, it's a model that you can use to adapt to your own situation. It's a communal prayer for the whole human family where we affirm God's good, loving character as a heavenly Father, that he will provide for us what we truly need, basic necessities for all, for the forgiveness of sin and to remain strong in the face of this fallen and sinful world. We also get a story that tells us that God is open morning, noon, 
or night to hear our prayers as we pour out our heart's concern. And finally, we get a story that our Heavenly Father will give us what we truly need, that is His Holy Spirit, to guide, equip and empower us through this life. What I like about this masterclass is it shows us that it's not rocket science. Anyone can do it. It doesn't have to be overblown or fancy. You don't have to use any churchy jargon. Just be honest. Just be humble. Focus on what truly matters. Have an honest concern for God's will to be done, not your own. And an honest concern for the world around you. Like a little child jumping up into daddy's lap and, and asking for what they need. Is the relationship what, between us and God, that's what it should be like when we pray. And we can know that God, like a loving father, will respond with delight. That if we ask, we'll be given to us. If we seek, we will find. If we knock, the door will be open to us. Amen? I'm going to show you a video by one of my favourite Bible preachers, a fellow by the name of John a piper, and he's just praying the Lord's Prayer in his own language. He's, uh, he's an American, you'll hear an American accent, but don't hold that against him. You're just going to be seeing the Lord's Prayer done, just outpoured, just in his own language, just using the themes of each line. I encourage you to take note of it and to, and, and to just make it your own and be, use it as a challenge, say, well, this is how I can come to God in prayer in my own language, in my own words, with my own accent, with my, with my own hopes and dreams, focused on God. This is, uh, this is the Lord's Prayer, uh, one man's version of the Lord's Prayer. Thank you, Adrian. Father, who art in heaven, you are majestic and merciful. You are far above us and ready to come to us. You have plans for the whole earth, even for the universe. And yet you care for us, even in the smallest details. You are King and our Father. Hallowed be your name. Make your great and holy name to be honored and treasured above all things, especially deep in our own hearts and everywhere in the world. Your kingdom come Cause your sovereign authority and wisdom to hold sway at all times in every place on earth and in the deepest parts of our own souls. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Grant that your all-wise, all-good, all-just, all holy will would be done throughout the world the way the angels do it perfectly and joyfully in heaven and make it a reality in each of us.
Give us this day our daily bread. We are not asking for riches, but for enough to live. We want to be healthy and to have a mind and body that work. Sustain us that we might accomplish what you call us to do. And forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. We are sinners and need to be forgiven every day. We know we don't deserve it. We ask for mercy. Forgive us. Draw us into the freedom of your love, the love you gave when your son died in our place. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We don't want to go on sinning. Keep us back from the entanglements of overpowering temptation. Guard us from Satan, from all his works and all his ways. Grant us to walk in holiness before you all our days. We pray this in the name of the one who taught us to pray. In Jesus' name, amen.